Over the years, Christ Church has had a variety of ways of managing prayer requests from congregants and passers-by. Prior to COVID, we had quite a bit of foot traffic in the sanctuary where people came to rest and pray and light a candle, with some depositing a prayer card in the box in our entryway. We recently returned the prayer box as an act of hospitality now that we're emerging from COVID jitters. And as you may know, we also offer the opportunity to leave a prayer request on a connection card, like ones we have in our Bulletin Sunday or that are available online. Some years ago, we offered an in-person morning prayer service on Wednesdays, early morning, when prayer requests were dispersed among the participants who then prayed them in the company of their peers. One year, a writer for a national magazine stopped by on a Wednesday morning and spoke with several participants. Here's how he began an article about his experience. Quote, with a winter chill of five degrees bearing down outside the church door, Methodists in Manhattan gather in a sanctuary to summon the Almighty on behalf of bruised, hurting humanity. For a week, passersby have scrawled desperate prayer requests on cards and placed them in the church's prayer box. And now the participants read them aloud, 50 or more of them, hoping to unleash fresh spiritual well-being into the world. Dear God, reads one card, I'm getting more and more depressed. Please help me. I pray for my friend Sean, who has been ill and needs God's support, says another card. Other messages look disturbing or illegible, but it doesn't matter. These prayer partners at Christ Church lift up all the requests for God's blessings every Wednesday morning, regardless of weather. We believe our prayer is an important communication, says a participant participant named Matt. It would be presumptuous to look for a specific outcome, but we hope for God's intervention as God sees fit. Whenever a group of people gather to come before God, it's a holy moment. It deepens your faith that God is there and hears and answers. Concluding the article, the author returns to his Christ Church experience and writes, Matt ponders the weekly work of delivering others' written prayers to the King of the universe. He's been doing it three years, and it has changed him. We might be on Park Avenue, but the whole world passes by here, and you are aware of desperation, Matt says. Some people are terribly troubled. It's an act of faithfulness on their part just to write a prayer down. The work of this prayer group has large implications, he continues. It's an act of faith to take on prayers for the world and be willing to participate in a solution. I know my view of prayer has changed. It has deepened my prayer life. Before, the area of my prayers was small. Now it's larger, deeper, and more spontaneous. It's shifted my relationship with God and church to the center of my life. Eventually, this service gave way to other methods for praying here with the addition of the connection cards. Now, all of these requests are gathered up by our staff and shared with the team who gather on a conference call Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. to pray. By the way, if you're interested, you might consider making this part of your own spiritual practice. It's a small thing, I suppose, just 15 minutes or so but it does open the wider world into one's faith experience. 
It provides clarifying perspective on the people who walk the city's sidewalks and into this space, this sanctuary, day in and day out. They have specific names and specific concerns and joys, just like you and me. Just let Nicole Armstrong know of your interest. You can find her, Nicole, at ChristChurchNYC.org. It's a surprisingly meaningful way of participating in the life of the city. As Matt said, this prayer is an act of faith for certain, a tangible act of faith, and it changes you. Why is it an act of faith? Well, because it's directed towards God, and because the only reason to do such a seemingly impotent thing is because of faith. And while the presenting purpose in praying for another is for the sake of the other, the simple fact is that since prayer is an act of faith on the part of the prayer, one's own faith gets a workout, like going to the spiritual gym. And I would tell you, in a mystical way, it's good for the church, a marker of our spiritual readiness, open-heartedness, and compassionate regard for all persons known and unknown to us, expanding wide our frame of reference for what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our gospel lesson began this way. Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He spoke of a widow pleading her case before a corrupt judge who ultimately relented and offered her justice only because of her persistence. In first century Palestine, widow was a code word for the most vulnerable and defenseless in society. She had no position, no leverage, no clout. She had nothing but her dogged perseverance to gain her justice. Jesus concluded, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? We say we pray because of Jesus' instruction and his own prayer life. But even then, to do it sincerely is always an act of faith, sometimes if only because of a tiny bit of hopeful yearning in an otherwise desperate situation. Even atheists are known to offer up a prayer in a crisis. You know the old cliché, there are no atheists in a foxhole. Afterwards, they might chide themselves for their knee-jerk childishness, but the instinct for a relationship with a divine ally, with someone who cares about our race in its conflicts and defeats, persists. C.S. Lewis, author of The Chronicles of Narnia and, and the great Christian apologist of the last century, wrote honestly about his feeling abandoned and left alone by God after the death of his wife. During his grieving misery, he asked, meanwhile, where is God? When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing God, so happy that you are tempted to feel God's claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to God when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? 
It seemed so once. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent to help in time of trouble? But despite feeling abandoned by the Holy One, Lewis persisted in praying and trusting and relying on God. Eventually, he came to be at peace with God and with the loss of his wife. Not exactly pleased, but, but at deep peace. And eventually, he could say this about prayer. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all of the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. St. Augustine came to understand that patience is the companion of wisdom. Whoever knocks persistently ends by entering. Jesus told the parable about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. For many years, cards were dropped in our prayer box each week for a trio named Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. We have no idea who these three are, but consider that every week for more than a decade, these three persons had been on the heart and mind of someone who entered this space to pray, perhaps on the way to work, lifting them before God. At least 13, 14 or more years of prayer for Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. Does this seem an impotent bit of wasted effort? You know, after a while, it's easy to become a bit cynical by the repetition, but not so very much more time passes when a different attitude sets in, an attitude forged by the patient persistence of the earnest sentiment of the one who writes the names on a card week after week after week. God bless Priscilla, Kyle, and Rainey. And I think to myself, how lucky are they? Would that someone prayed for me that relentlessly. Some cards are written by those who have obvious psychological issues. Some are written by the homeless, those that have no power, no position, no clout in our society, and often no justice, like the widow. Their prayers are instructive. You cannot pray with them and not be changed. Some cards are written in languages most English speakers can't read, some in the characters of Korean and Chinese, some in Cyrillic, some in Arabic, others not as identifiable. It doesn't matter. In this small gesture of hospitality, we've accumulated the universal human longing for connection with that divine ally, packaged in highly individualized containers, each container an important, cherished, beloved child of God. And friends, that includes you, you. May God bless you. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth?